You know, last week I started, uh, I talked about Colossians chapter 3 and uh, talked about how life really begins when we die. Death is, the, is only the beginning, it's not the end. It's the end for the world, but for us, it's the beginning. When this physical body dies, then the spirit, who's already been given life through Jesus Christ, goes on to live forever. But I, I, I touched on something very briefly last week that I'd like to look into a little bit more today, um, which is, it says in Colossians 3, to set your minds above. To set your minds above. And I just very briefly talked about that idea that, and I want to get into it today, and, and I think I'll push into the rest of it. We'll probably look at it in January, but just wanted to spend a few minutes on this idea that your mind really is the very, is the first death. It's the only death that you will have as a Christian is your mind. See, the Bible says that we were made in the image of God. It's not just that we look somewhat similar to him. That's why when Jesus came, even in his godship, when he came, they thought he was a gardener. But he had a new body. He had a new face, obviously, for them not to see him. But he still looked like a man. So we were made in God's image. But that's not all that the image of God means. It's not just that he has eyes and a mouth like us, but that he is, he is something... He is king. He is Lord. He is something that is beyond this earth. He is eternal. The Bible says that sin entered this world and broke that. It broke that eternity that was put into our image. That image was broken. Now, we still look like what God designed us to look like in the natural, but our spiritual image was broken that day. The Bible says, though, that through Jesus Christ, Jesus bridged the gap again and connected us back into the original image of God. The Bible says that Adam came, he was the first man, but that Jesus is the new Adam, that life begins again through Jesus Christ, and that we now have eternal life. We've been restored. And when we connect with Christ, the devil, the Bible says, cannot kill you. He can only kill this body, but he cannot kill you. But because of sin, because of that barrier that Jesus willingly and freely broke, sealed, completed, however you want to look at it, bridged, put us back to the original design of God, the image of the look, the feel, I mean, all of these things will have a new body, but we're going to look pretty close to something like this in your best state in eternity. But your eternity, the eternal life that was put into Adam and Eve will be put back. It's already in Christ put back in you here, but it will be sealed into your new body on the other side. But because of this barrier... There is something, though, that has to die, and it's our mind. Your mind is this single thing, and that really has multiple facets, and we could be splitting hairs talking about the heart, talking about the soul, talking about the flesh, 
talking about the carnal nature. There are some, some, there are a group of words and terms, and we could, could split hairs and spend weeks talking about what those things mean individually. But the simplest thing to think about, the simplest form is really all of that, as I just kind of barely touched on last week, is where is all of that? Where are all those things, your soul and, and your heart? And I believe as, as God's design, it's in our mind. We, we are led as, as humanity by our hearts, right? We can say that without God. People say, oh, you got to trust your heart, trust your gut. Where is that place in you that you're being led by? And when we talk about it like right here, like where the Spirit of God dwells, we talk about this place. But really, this is just a just body. Like I said last week, you put someone in a vegetative state, but something is still happening inside them. It's in their mind. And I don't want, I'm not trying to um, argue with myself, argue with words. I just want to paint this picture today, though, that your mind is really where you live. Because when you get a new body, the you that's you here goes, the you in you is going to be still you. But that body, we can look at your body, it's not, that's not you. And so the Bible says that God made us anew. He made us brand new in Christ. He made us new the moment we accepted Him, the moment we Lay down our life. We come to Christ and we say something very simple to him in, in your own words, Lord, I give you my life. Now, some of the, the books in the gospel, you'll find Peter and Paul, they say some things like this, and they, you say it in different words, but they say, I'm sad because those that say they're believers, I don't know that they really are. And there's different language to say that. I just kind of summed them up all into one line. But they said that they were. And we find that there is something we don't like to talk about a lot in Christianity because we don't want to judge and we don't really know. Looking at somebody else, we don't really know who that person truly is. They might have certain actions. They might attend a church. They might do Christian things. But where is the real believer? And it's inside you. It's in your mind. That's why Jesus, when he comes on the scene, he says, let's just boil it down, okay? That's fine. I'm not saying stop doing religious things, good things, but let's just boil it down. Do you do this or that in your heart? Like, what do you think about when no one's looking? Jesus boiled down the gospel, boiled everything down to the base, which is what's going on inside here? Because that's what I'm really looking at. Yes, your actions, as I said last week, the rich man who wasn't willing to give up his possessions is not about the possessions. It was a symbol of him not willing to give God his heart. Because the Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And so for him not willing to give up the things that don't mean anything, it showed that he wasn't willing to give God his heart. And so God is looking for, he will give you eternal life. He will give you everything. Everything that matters is in him. But Jesus said, 
you have to be born again. Jesus didn't say, you can carry, we're going to take your body, we're going to take your mind, we're going to take your nature and your personality and all those things, we're going to put that inside you. No, Jesus said to be born again really means that what you were before is no longer who you are now. And that is a process, all right? Is anybody (laughs) like me willing to admit that that's a big process? It's a lifelong process, and God is fully aware of that process. God is not judging us along the way in the process. What He's looking for is a continual, a continuation of death, because every time we die, we have life. The, you know, the, I've said this before, everything in creation that dies brings life. When a tree dies, it's a sad thing, you know, um, Right across the street from my house, we have Mount Alvernia, and they're doing some logging in there, and there's these big, giant beauties of trees. And it's sad to see these, some of them probably 200-year-old trees being taken down. But, you know, every time they take that tree down and there's, they leave that stump there, that stump is going to rot. It's going to go into the ground. It's going to fertilize that ground. And actually, have you ever seen property that's been logged? They'll take out one big giant tree, and then what do you have left? You have about 10,000 little tiny trees that didn't have sun before, and now have sun, and they have all that soil that was there feeding the one tree. And so everything in God's creation, it's sad to see something die, but really it's a good thing for sometimes for things to die because life starts coming. It's just God's creation. And the Bible says that your mind... When your mind dies, Jesus gives you a new one. Who would like, and as, in your, as you get towards your older age, to trade in your old mind for a new mind? <laughs> the Bible says that Jesus gives us His mind. That's a mind that understands everything. It's a mind that can look at people and not just see what they are on the surface, but can see a heart. It's a mind that understands that this is not it. It's a mind that says that there's a plan and a purpose in God, and there's eternity. It's a mind that we want. Whether we realize it or not, the world doesn't. We want His mind. I always tell the Lord personally, Lord, you don't need my ideas. You don't need my thoughts. You don't need me. I need you. And many times in our minds, we give God all these great ideas and thoughts of this or that. But really, what we need is there's an exchange. He wants to use us. I just pointed out, I just saw that during worship that God trusted himself through us, through Mary. God put the word of God in a person, in a human being, and trusted her to bring it out. So he's not saying, hey, you are worthless. You're nothing. But you let me work through you, and I'll do something beautiful, brought Jesus Christ through humanity. And so, if I can just try to get into this, the Bible says, though, that our mind is a hard thing to break, isn't it? The mind is very strong. It's very powerful. There's lots of lines we say in the world, things like, it's a beautiful thing to waste, Right? How many drug campaigns have you seen for that? 
And the, the mind is, it's, it's really, it, it's barely been touched in science. You know that? They say that we use less than 5% of our brain. Less than 5%. I don't know how they really know how much we use or we don't. I think that it's an observation that I'm willing to accept because I don't know more than they do. But they say we'd use very little. And, you know, it's interesting that we in our minds can be an enemy to ourselves. Look at these wide eyes, yes. We can be an enemy to ourselves and our minds. But we really have two enemies right here, two. We can be our enemy, and the devil is our enemy. And you know, before you ever sin, before you ever do anything wrong, before you consciously do something, when you decide to sin, you made a conscious decision. That means your mind, my hand right here, my mouth speaking these words into this microphone is because my mind is telling my mouth to say them. When you do something, you have decided in your mind to do that. Which means, me, me, myself, I, we're not, can't blame everything on the devil. James says we are drawn away by our own desires. And once that desire has given birth, it gives birth to sin. And then sin ultimately leads to death if we let it continue. But our mind is really where it starts. So where do you think the devil, if he's trying to get that barrier back, what separates us from God? What do we just say separates us from God? The only thing whatsoever is sin. That is the only thing. Jesus bridged that gap. Well, the devil doesn't like that gap being bridged. The devil is our enemy, whether we like to, we don't like to talk about him a lot. I said last week, I'm not going to give him a lot of time, but it's a reality. He's in our word. It's a reality of who we are is that just as much as Jesus is for us, we have an enemy who's opposing us. And if he's trying to get you back to that place where is he going to try and get you? He's going to go right to where it starts in the mind. Most things that we do are premeditated. And do you know that even the things that we do on a whim, who's ever had a fit of rage? Just came out of nowhere, it seems like. There's no such thing as out of nowhere, though, in your mind. There's no such thing. When we do that, when we just all of a sudden lash out, even a husband who like picks up a lamp and kills his wife, and you know they, uh, they have certain, I'm not, again, don't ask me for terms, I always mess up the terms, but there is a type of murder that is, right, where it wasn't premeditated. I think, I mean, that's about good enough description as we need. But there was something meditated inside of him. Something began in that mind much uh, earlier than the action. What began was, I don't like her very much. I love my wife. But that man started thinking, don't like what she just said to me. Might be just as simple as that. I don't like that one line she said to me. Now, that's right here in your mind. 
whatever, you don't think much of that. Now that continues and continues. A hatred starts to grow inside here. The Bible, that's why Jesus said, let's go, let's attack, let's go right, let's get right to it. Let's stop fooling around. I'm God, I know. Let's just talk, let's get right down to it. You don't murder, fine. But do you hate? Because Jesus is pointing to us that that's where it starts. I had an experience very, um, very quick with the Lord. Actually, last Sunday, standing right here. I was just about to come up front, and I felt doubt. I didn't even realize I was feeling doubt. I just felt heavy, and I felt some lies being spoken in my mind. And I realized by the Spirit of God, and we're going to look into that for a moment, by the Spirit of God, I realized that the lie, just like the lie of hating, that's not you. You weren't made, in, we were made in God's image. The only reason that hate's allowed to come out is because of sin, because we broke that place with God. And when we hate, we are not in God in that moment, are we? We are in that place of sin. And so, we can, it can be very subtle, though. It can be things like worry, anxiety, doubt. Those things don't seem like the same as murder and hate. But all of these things in our minds, when they are not lined up with God's Word, what these things show is that we are back in our old minds. My old mind was standing right here. And all of a sudden, I realized, wait a second. I'm not going to let you lie to me, devil. That was it. It was such a simple, subtle thing. I wasn't not going to come up here to preach, but I just thought that line. And as soon as I did, and I don't share a lot of things I see, right? Do you guys hear me? I don't share a lot of vision stuff here. I tried to just, I, I mean, I'll process that for a long time because I don't know. I mean, we don't know. It could be us, could be the devil, could be God. But this time I knew the Lord had just shown me something. The moment that I said, I'm not going to believe that lie, the moment I did, I saw a spark in me burst to flames. I saw the Spirit of God just consume me. And I saw that the beginning, the enemy works, he works here. He doesn't work with your actions. The devil doesn't make you do anything. He doesn't make you speak a lie. He doesn't make you have now actions Right? When we doubt, what's our actions? Our actions are going to reflect the doubt in our heart. The murder reflects the hate in our heart. The uh, nervousness to not do anything in life is from the anxiety in our heart. Right? These things come out of something that started here. So where's the devil going to get you? He's going to try to just put one line in your mind. He's going to start to say a lie to you. And the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, stay alert. The Bible tells us to stay alert because he said, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The devil is not looking for you to sin. 
Wow, that's a big shocker. Because he can't make you sin. But he can put an, a, he can put an idea. He can whisper something into your mind. But who's in control of your mind? That's right. We are. You are in control. But if the devil can whisper it and you capture it and believe it, and you believe that lie, it starts to become, I'm getting ahead of myself, starts to become something, starts growing inside of you, and starts to become strong in you, and starts to become a belief system in you. Now the subconscious in you. Is it making any sense, guys? Now the subconscious in you that starts to, you lash out, you react, you say something, you do something, something that you're like, I can't believe that I could do that, that I could say that, but that subconscious was growing. Something was growing inside of you because you believed somewhere along the line, you believed a lie. For sin to come out of your life, it started with a spark from the devil. He, the Bible says, is the father of lies. We're going to look at that in one moment. His very name means adversary. He's an adversary. He's one who's opposing us. If you look at the book of Job, and I talked about this a few weeks ago, this whole story is about the devil coming and he finds somebody who's listening to God, believing God, who's trusting God, and he wants nothing but God. But God, um, uh, Satan, apparently how it works in the kingdom, again, there's just things we don't know, but Satan comes and reports to God. He's still under God's submission. One day he will be thrown into hell forever, and we're looking forward to that end and completion of this world, right? But until that time is done, Satan comes and reports to God, and God says, have you seen my servant Job? Devil says to him, well, he's only loving you and trusting you and believing in you because you give him everything. You've given him everything you've supplied for him. So God says, okay, touch him. You can touch him. You'll see that he's still going to keep trusting me. So the devil touches him, takes away a lot. Let's just leave it at that. Then he says, well, you took away his children. You took away his stuff, but you didn't touch him physically. Somebody, they can endure so much, but you touch them physically, and that's, that'll be their end. So he says, okay, you can touch them physically. You just can't kill them. Puts boils on his body. And then you have, that's only the first couple of chapters. Then you have this huge book, 30-something chapters of this. The whole book is really about the mind. He's sitting there, and they're debating. Job's friends are telling them what they, telling Job what they think. Finally, Job responds at the end and tells them what he thinks. But at the end of the book, God tells us what he thinks. The devil was trying to get Job to curse God. But the curse was going to come out of the questioning, the wondering, 
in this place, his mind. His mind was where the battle was. He touched him physically. He took away his stuff. Those things were not to get Job to do anything really out, out of his uh, an action. He can get the actions. The actions will come. The curse can come. That's the action. But I'm looking to mess with your mind because if I can get your mind, then you'll curse God. He can't make your mouth curse God, but if he can get an idea in your mind, if he can get that thing to grow in here, then you, out of your own mouth, will curse God. And we see this entire book is about the battle of the mind. But God tells us a few things, a few truths that settle Job. You don't understand. I'm God. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. Job comes to terms with that, doesn't he? We talked about this a few weeks ago. He comes to terms with it. He refuses to curse God. He had decided, I'm not going to believe the lie, even though, can we identify with him that I don't understand? Even though, to use this example, there's, there's nothing between my wife and I, but even though I want to hate her, even though I want to have this emotion in me, I want to be able to let this emotion in me grow, I'm not going to let it. It's a lie. It's a lie because the Bible says... The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, that even though we are human, we are human. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. It says in verse 4, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds. Everybody say stronghold. We use God's mighty weapons, not flesh and blood, not human wisdom, nothing out of ourselves. There is nothing really happening here in the flesh. That's the lie the devil wants to tell you. The lie is that this is not really happening. The, the truth is that there is something that he is trying to do in you. And I can prove it because Jesus Christ, when he is being put on the cross, he didn't say, you know what? You're going to see, you're going to get what's coming to you. He said, and he showed us that it's not a flesh and blood thing. He bypassed the flesh and blood. He bypassed the natural argument, the natural thing happening right here, which was that they were putting nails in his hands. He bypassed that place. It's not a human thing. This is a spiritual thing. And it comes down to right here. In me, and he says, I, Lord, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. He showed us that it's not a human thing. It's not a human thing when we war, when we fight. It's a thing right inside here. Jesus puts no blame on anybody, doesn't put anything on them. The devil, if man, if he could have got him to say, anything out of his anger. Hey, you guys, don't you realize who I am and that all that I want to do is love you? 
He doesn't respond with any argument, with anything whatsoever except forgive them. He shows us what the Bible says here, that the weapon, a godly weapon, it's the opposite of what you want to do in your flesh. It's the opposite of what we do in our nature. He showed us that it says in verse Four, to continue that we knocked on the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments, false ideas. And it says in verse 5 that we destroy every proud obstacle. Or you may know it as every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, everything that is keeping people from knowing God, everything, and the Bible tells us to capture it. Everybody say, capture it. That thought that's going on in your mind, you may be thinking it on your own. You can let that thing just dwell, and you can let that thing mull over. You can let that thing grow, but most likely somewhere along the line, that's you, you, that's you being your enemy, somewhere along the line, you are whispered a lie, that you deserve more, you deserve better, that this isn't right, that you're right, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of those. But we capture those rebellious thoughts. We capture them, and we teach those thoughts to obey Christ. As soon as your mind begins to doubt, let's just look, let's just talk about a, a few of the things. As soon as it begins to doubt, as soon as it begins to worry, as soon as it begins to be anxious, as soon as your mind begins to fear, anybody experienced some of these things before? Regrets, anger, Envies, jealousies. Wow, this sounds like right out of Scripture, doesn't it? That's what I'm doing. The Bible is eternal. It's, it was written a long time ago, but it is just as relevant right this moment. Man, when the world says, I don't get it, it's because you're not opening your eyes and looking with spiritual eyes to see it's right here. But the Bible says, purity. And peace, confidence in God, new mercies each day, yesterday is gone, press on, forgiveness, give even a little more when you've given all you could, love, joy, hope. The mind of Christ is a choice. So I'll make that statement today. The mind of Christ is a choice. Just as you chose Christ, you hear me, I say this a lot, don't I? that God didn't make you choose him. We're so thankful and grateful for what he did, and it's free to everybody out there. It's just as free to them who haven't believed yet as it is to you who has believed. It doesn't come any easier for them or come any easier for you, and we're not worth anything more than they are, but we have chosen to believe just as we pray that they would choose to believe. And everything else in the kingdom Everything is a choice. God doesn't make us do anything. Now, sometimes the pressures of life 
God knows how to point you in a direction to try to get you to make the right choice, doesn't he? Seems like he's making us sometimes, but you still have a choice. Even at that point, even with all the pressures, who has seen someone under tremendous pressure and you say, man, God's working on that person and they still made the wrong choices. It happens. You have a choice. But I'm going to just teach you just for these couple minutes that we know now, we know we have an enemy. We know that he's a liar. We know that he whispers lies. And we know that God gives us a mind of Christ that thinks differently, that doesn't think in fear and in worry and anxiety, but that we choose. But let's look at how to help. How do, you, how do we even choose? How do we do this? The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, it says those, Romans chapter 8 verse 5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit those controlled by the Holy Spirit think. Those controlled by the Holy Spirit think differently. Those who let the Holy Spirit rule in your life think differently. Those who let the Holy Spirit rule. Those who said, my mind, you can just stay over here. You don't know what you're doing. You've got a bunch of ideas and that's all good, but I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to blindly just say, God, you're in control. At that very moment, the Bible says that Jesus promised us that the first step was his salvation, was your new life. But he said, I'm going to leave here. And they were sad, but he said, don't be sad because I'm going to send you the spirit of truth. I'm going to send you the spirit of God. He will lead you into all truth. I'm going to send you the spirit of God. He's going to remind you of the truth. You die, you put your mind aside because as we're, as we're seeing, it's not very hard, is it, for us to see. We don't have to search very far to see our minds think all kinds of wacky doodle stuff that leads to weird outcomes. When you say, how is it possible that someone could do something so evil? Well, it started by believing little tiny things and thinking little things and opening little doors, and it led to that. But we, as Christians, are letting the Holy Spirit change the way we think about things, things that please Him. See, the Bible says, Romans 12, 2, we're not conformed to this world, but we are transformed. We're transformed. We change from the way we were, that old man, the old way, and we are renewed in our mind. And it, there's something that happens, though. It says that when we are renewed, when our mind is transformed, it says then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You have to let God be God. It starts with our choice. But then as we choose to let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit, He begins to change us and then the will of God for us. That's how Jesus, who had submitted Himself to the Father, could say, forgive them. It would be very hard for most of us here so we put on that same cross right now and say, forgive them. Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We may, might say something like, please don't do this. 
There's no pleading in Jesus, just total submission. Just forgive them, Lord. But the Bible says that these obstacles, these things that the devil puts in between us, the Bible says that when we let the Spirit, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, once we let the Spirit of God Remember we talked about last week that the devil's put a blindness. There's a blindness that comes. There's an old mind and it thinks blind. But it says when we let the Spirit of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And it says in verse 17, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed, the blindness that the devil has put on you, the blindness of your mind that said, I'm right, I know, etc., 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 that led to sin. Who had some thoughts in your mind that led to sin at points in your life? But now those blinders have come off. They get you nowhere except heartache for yourself. Grudges don't do anything to other people, do they? They only hurt you for years and years and years. And then you let the Spirit of God remove that from you. The veil has been removed and you find freedom. And it says that then we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. Ultimately, look, we're not just seeing it, but we are reflecting it as well to the world. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into, look at as we started today, into his glorious image. We were made in God's image, but that image was tarnished by sin. But if we let the Holy Spirit, by shelving our thinking, our mind, we let the Holy Spirit do a work in this mind, then we can be changed into the original image that God designed us to be. And it says... In Philippians chapter 4, this is the difference. Even though we have a devil that's trying to get us, even though he's whispering lies, it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Verse 7, then you will experience God's Peace. The devil is trying to get you to war. He's trying to create this war inside you. And who has experienced that war, right? That war of anxiety, that war of hate, that war of doubt. It's different for all of our minds, but we all have that war in there. Every one of us has a different, or we might have multiple things going on. Might be a real basket case in here. But we... Fix, the Bible says, verse 7, we let the peace which exceeds anything we can understand. It goes beyond your mental capacity and his peace. It's something supernatural. Guards your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And it says in verse 8, so now telling us what to do. Okay, you get it. You know there's an enemy. You know your mind's the enemy, and you know the devil's going to try to use that mind. But I've got something for you here in verse 8. Fix your thoughts on what is true. It says in John chapter 8, verse 31, 
to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. You have to remain. You have to keep believing. And it says in verse 32, the truth, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you read just a little few verses down, he's talking, he's, there's, there's an interesting experience here in chapter 8 that Jesus is having with some of the people there, and they're arguing with who, what they think and what they know, and Jesus says in verse 43, why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and he is the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Verse 46, which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Verse 47, anyone who belongs to God, listen, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. What he's telling us here is that he is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that very truth that we believe in, that we choose to believe in and continue to remain to believe in, we make a conscious decision. Listen, it was great that we had an encounter with Christ and we said, Lord, come into my life. And then there's all this gap of life in between. That's the trouble, isn't it? Sometimes don't we wish that we just said, yes, Jesus, and he just ushered us away. And we'll just live in eternity without all this mind stuff in between that we have to conquer. But we continue to remain in what? In his word, in his truth. The devil, he said, is the father of lies. And what is he going to oppose? He's going to oppose the truth. What's the truth? What you feel and what you think? No way. Not unless it lines up with God's word. Your mind, the mind of Christ, Jesus, the mind of Christ. Just think about this for a second. Who is Jesus? He is the Word made flesh. Jesus' mind is what? The Word. The mind of Christ is the Word. The mind of Christ is the Word. And if we let that truth sink in, we will listen to what? The lies of the devil. Listen to our feelings. Listen to us inside that we're right and that we deserve and et cetera, et cetera. Or we're going to listen to his word, which says, lay down your life, die, forgive. Oh, you've gone one mile. That's great. Go another. Oh, you feel like you've given enough. Give some more. This is the gospel, and the Bible says that when we do, what happens? What is the promise? What is it? The devil wants to trap you in the lie. He wants to keep you there because you know that that stronghold that he's got you in, that the weapons of our warfare, when we forgive, you know we applied a weapon against him. Because the devil wants to get you, he's trying to get Job. What did he try to get Job in? 
I deserve, I'm right, this isn't fair, et cetera, et cetera. But instead, even though he struggled and even though God had some things to say to him, God blessed him again because Job wouldn't curse him. And when we apply the truth, when we refuse to let our flesh come out of us, when we refuse and we decide to do the opposite of our mind, which is I'm right, and we say I forgive you, as soon as we do that, we've applied a weapon and the Bible says that that stronghold, the stronghold, it says that there is an obstacle, that there's a stronghold of human reasoning and the Bible, that word actually is the same word in the Greek for prison. You literally will trap yourself if you let the flesh, if you let your mind do what it wants to do, you let the action come out of you, reflecting the, let that thought come out into an action instead of seizing it and crushing it and destroying it and choosing to forgive. The Bible says that what you will literally do is put yourself, you will put yourself in a prison. But we instead, as believers, because we know that the Bible says that the truth and only the truth will set us free, we let that truth, we let the truth capture, we bring that thought inside of us, we bring that doubt, that anxiety, that worry, that hatred, that lust, that thing inside you that is trying to rule, but we take it captive, and when we do, and we decide to do what the Word says, we don't have to do any big battle with the devil. You don't have to mention his name. You don't have to take authority. All you need to do is not let that thought inside of you rule you, and as soon as you do that, as soon as you do that, the prison the devil tried to trap you in falls. And it can't hold you. And we all know that. We've all held grudges that when we let go, we felt the Word of God work. We saw the Word of God work. We said, I'm letting go. And we felt a tremendous peace and freedom, didn't we? We saw that the Word of God is real. So I just wanted to share with you today, I just feel like the Lord wanted to speak to us today, that the mind is where the devil plays with us, doesn't he? The mind's the devil's playground. But we, we're not little children on that playground. We're not letting him bounce us around and do what he will. We are God's people, and we refuse to let our actions reflect. Listen, there's an old saying, you can't help the thought from passing through your mind, but you cannot let it nest here. You let it nest, you let it grow. Jesus told us, you might as well just be a murderer right now. We might as well just lock you up because you let that hate continue to grow in you and you just give it time. It will become a sin and that sin will become death. But let's just get to it right now. Get your mind lined up with my word. That's my mind, the mind of Christ. And as soon as you take that thought captive, peace comes, the truth comes. It may not all come instantly and all at once, you just conquer that thing that's pressing you right now. And the Holy Spirit, you'll see, you conquer that thing, the Holy Spirit's going to bring something else, else up in you. And you're not going to like it. And you're going to think, I think this and I think that. But you take that thing captive. You take control by the power of, of the Lord. 
by the power of His Word, with the help of the Holy Spirit, and you'll watch layer upon layer, precept upon precept. You'll see freedom as it's promised. We read that. Come in your life. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth that sets us free. There's a lie that's been spoken to us that we don't matter. There's a lie that's been spoken to us that we'll never achieve. There's a lie that says you're nobody, you're nothing, etc. But we thank you, Lord, that the truth in your word is that you made us in your very image. And the devil's just jealous that we're going to rule and reign with you for eternity. And we thank you, God, that when we choose to let your mind be our mind and we speak and act and do out of that mind instead of the old man, I thank you, Lord, that peace comes, joy comes, hope comes, life comes, Lord, and we know, we know that not only will we rule and reign with you, Lord, in eternity, but then we know, Lord, as soon as we conquer each of those layers, every step of the way, when we come through that, we know that you're with us right here, right now. Those are the moments when we know that you're God. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.